Are you worried? Did you worry this week? What did you worry about? Health issues? Money? Job? Security? Some people have nonspecific worries. They just have a general sense of uneasiness. I don't know what's going on, but I know there's something bad coming. I heard one person say that I finally don't have anything to worry about, so I'll go look and find something. <laughs> worry is part of our lives. We're going to talk about worry today, or rather we're going to hear the Lord talk to us today about worry. This worry, he mentions as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount, which we have been studying over the last few weeks and months. Now, what I say about worry, or rather what the Lord Jesus says about worry in here, is really aimed at those who belong to the Lord. Those people who are believers, as we call them, those people who have accepted Christ as their Savior. Well, what about the rest of us? Well, it would be worth listening to, and I'll try to get to you before we finish. That old Christian writer, Matthew Henry, says, There is scarcely any one sin against which our Lord Jesus more largely and earnestly warns his disciples than the sin of disquieting, distracting, distrustful cares about the things of life. In the passage that Jess read, Matthew 6, 25-34, Jesus is lovingly and carefully making the case to his own that worry should not be part of our lives. Now, I say loving lovingly and carefully, because all I can think of is the beginning of Isaiah where the Lord speaks to his people and he uses the phrase, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. That's what it is. This is not a sledgehammer. This is a counselor trying to help us as believers. Tom Dunkard, one of the founding fathers of this church, who's now with the Lord, uh, used to speak to us in the youth group. You can see how long ago that was. Anyway, he would always begin by defining the word he was going to talk about. We called him the dictionary disciple. So I'll define the word worry. It's to give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. Pretty good. Unfortunately, that is true. Worry also implies a lack of control of things in our lives. The preacher's commentary I've read said, we find it easier to feel secure with things that we can control. And when something is beyond our control, we worry. Now the Bible says, and the Lord bears it out here in this scripture, that worry is both wrong and dangerous. Wrong and dangerous. Listen to Moody Pastor Warren Wearsby. 
Jesus said that worry is sinful. We may dignify worry by calling it by some other name. Concern. Burden. A cross to bear. But the results are still the same. Instead of helping us live longer, anxiety only makes life shorter. The Greek word translated take no thought or worry literally means, get this, worry literally means to be drawn in different directions. Worry pulls us apart. Bishop Ryle expressed it, prudent provision for the future is right. Wearing, corroding, self-tormenting anxiety is wrong. And that's worry. Worry, it can be said, comes from trusting ourselves more than trusting God. When Dick prayed, he mentioned our Father, our trust in our Father. But a lot of times, I don't know if I really want to take a chance and let the Lord decide that. And we worry. Again, our passage is in Matthew 6, and we're going to start with 25, sort of. We're going to do it in three sections, basically, these ten verses, and then we'll have some tips that all of us can use as far as worry is concerned that may be a supplement to what we hear in the word of God. Verse 25a, first word, therefore. Now, all Bible people will tell you, when you read the word therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. Even I could understand that. So you look back at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Lord is telling us, as he pivots into this portion on worry, we must choose God as our master and not ourselves. Who's the boss here? John R.W. Stott wrote, We shall refuse to become engrossed in our own concerns, but instead seek first the concerns of God. Isn't that interesting? I'm so busy. I have so many interests. I have so many responsibilities, a family, and everything else. The concerns of God come first, and we'll see that as well. The one whom we make our master in our lives affects whether we worry. Don't worry. 25, the rest of the verse. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Again, the Lord is the counselor here. He's reasoning with us. So we don't do this. So we learn how not to do it. Our life is more than food and drink and the body more than clothing. Commentator writes, he who has displayed so great goodness as to form the body and breathe into it the breath of life will surely follow up the blessing and confer the smaller favor of providing that body shall be clothed and life be preserved. You get it? God created us. God formed our body. 
And the scripture says our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made in the old King James. Fearfully and wonderfully made. He gave us life. He gave us a body. Will he not follow up and keep that body going and keep that life well? If you know him, yes, you can count on that. He gave us life and created our bodies. It follows. He will sustain us. Don't worry. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, picture the way the crowd is spread on this mountain, listening to all of this great teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And just as we sometimes, if we're out on a picnic or traveling around, we look up and the birds fly over. And the Lord says, look at the birds in the air. God cares for the birds, and yet we are more valuable than they. But look how he cares for them. The Lord is a caring God for the birds and the rest of creation. In theology, it's called general providence. God takes care of the world, the creatures, including the birds. Job 38:41, cool verse. Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? God. Psalm 147:9. He God provides food for the young ravens when they call. That's our God. Not only for those of us who belong to him, he's just good that way to even the birds that are flying across the sky that you see. We are, Jesus argues, of more value than birds so we can count on God's care for us as believers. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, but God takes care of the birds. They have a value. They are precious in his sight. Has he not said that not one of them can fall to the ground without your heavenly father knowing? Not one. If that is true, then look at yourself and realize what you are in the sight of God. We are of great value to the Lord. Don't worry. Verse 27. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? We are powerless to add time to our lives. I go to the gym during the week and I see so many people who are really going to extend their lives a lot or they think they will, and I hope they do. But we try, we eat right, we exercise, we do the right things. But it's the Lord who determines how long we will live. We can't add more time to our lives. Oh, it happened once in scripture, yes, a king, and the Lord gave him some more time. But the Lord gave it to him. The preacher's commentary says here in verse 27, he says that by worry, we cannot add our span of life. We may even limit it by worry. Note the example of Paul saying that he knew best that God was in charge of his life, even with the threats he was facing. Acts 20, 22 to 24. And now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, he writes. Not knowing what will happen to me there, 
I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Who's your boss? What's your focus? God is in charge of how long we will live. Don't worry. Look at the second section, verses 28 to 30. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Here today and gone tomorrow, flowers of the field, he says, are exceeded in beauty by, the flowers rather, exceed in beauty Solomon's wardrobe. The Lord takes care of the flowers, as we read. He takes care of the birds. The flowers have a limited lifespan. You see, what they did at that time is they used the flowers and the grass, collected them all after everything died, and put them in their furnace and burned them so that they could keep warm. The crowd is sitting there looking at the flowers. See the flowers, Jesus said. They won't last. But look what God has done for them and how beautiful they are. The Lord who wonderfully clothes the flowers will surely, surely clothe those who belong to him and take care of your other needs. Pastor Jones writes, you, however, are immortal. You are not only a creature of time, You belong to eternity, believer. It is not true to say that you are here today and gone tomorrow in a real sense. God has set eternity in the heart of man. You have an eternal existence beyond death and the grave. That's why he cares so much. He has a major league investment in you. God cares for these flowers and will all the more care for us. Don't worry. Oh, I left out uh, four little words at the end of 30. Jesus looks at them and says, you of little faith. He uses this three other times in Matthew. You remember one of the stories in Luke 8, 24 to 25. The disciples went and woke him. Remember, there was a fierce storm on the Sea of Galilee. Christ had left them, and they went out on their boat. And the storms, we are told from historians, are very fierce in that area. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked them. Where is your faith, he asked the disciples. You of little faith. You of little faith. Jesus uses the phrase when the disciples doubt God's ability to take care of them. Bottom line. 
I have a problem with my faith when I don't trust God to take care of me. The Christian without this kind of faith is subject to worry. You are. Again, Pastor Jones, our Lord is speaking here about Christian people who only have saving faith and who tend to stop at that. Those are the people about whom he is concerned, and it is, it is his desire that they should be led as a result of listening to him to a larger and deeper faith. Because of their lack of larger faith, they are obviously more prone to the worry and anxiety and to the killing care which attacks us all in life. You got it? If I were to ask you who have accepted Christ as your Savior, do you have faith that he will deliver you, that you will be safe, that you will go to heaven? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Now, something is about to happen in your life, and you turn to worry because your faith somehow doesn't extend to his promises for you as a Christian. And we're prone to worry. You will hear that phrase, O ye of little faith, in the uh, King James again. Little faith. It's not no faith. It's just little. You're not focusing on what God has promised. So many people tell you, read your Bible every day. Read a devotional, but read scripture every day. Why? Because that's where your strength is. Those are the promises that can be applied in your life by faith. Faith in Christ and the Bible's promises beats worry. Don't worry. The third and final section, 31 to 34. So do not worry. What shall we eat? Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. The pagans, talking to a Jewish audience, pagans are non-Jews or Gentiles. They are people who have never accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior. They constantly worry about their needs. You know what the real world is. And as Barbara and Dave sang and led us in that song, money is awfully important. If I have money, I won't have a lot of these problems. I need more money. God forbid if I lose some. Listen to what Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount mentioned in Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do you hear that? Your father knows what you need before you ask him. I'm worried to death. I'm going crazy. Your father knows what you need before you've even prayed. The first thing one commentator writes, you have to realize is that to be worried and anxious about food and drink and clothing and your life in the world 
in a sense, is to be just like the Gentiles. We shouldn't be. Dick has mentioned counterculture. That's us. We're behaving very strangely. We're following what the Lord is telling us. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs before we ask. Don't worry. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Believers are to seek to benefit God's kingdom and behave righteously. We're called to do the two things. And he promises to provide for our needs. Now look at those words. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek carries the meaning of seeking earnestly. Earnestly. I've got to get it. I've got to win the race. I got to win the game. But the Lord adds another word. Besides seeking earnestly, he adds the word seek first. That means generally, principally, above everything else, give that the priority. Ever have your boss tell you, I understand you have a lot of things to do, but make this your priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Full commitment to grow God's kingdom and living for him are the keys here. Don't worry. One more verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yeah, I think we can agree to that. Worry is our enemy. And tomorrow's worries should not be brought into today. Oh, I've got so much. It's Monday morning. I have to worry about this, and I've got to get this done. And Oh, gee, and also my relative is sick. I've got to go see her tomorrow. Focus on today. There's enough worries to keep you busy for today. Notice how the Lord personalizes the word tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. He does that in other places as well. He talks about the morrow taking thought for itself. In spite of yourself. Don't keep arguing. Don't keep arguing with your worry. Because that's what you do. Have you ever thought and analyzed what your worry is like? For me, I worry best in the middle of the night. I wake up and I worry for whatever is coming. I've got surgery at such and such a time. Oh, I've got a dentist appointment at such a time. I have to get this completed at such and such a time. And you know what? My mind is so infinitely creative that I can pick apart the worry in such a way. There'll be worries that will come out of that one worry that I never even thought were there. 
I'm real good at that. You know what I'm bad at? Quoting scripture back at Satan. Back at me. Worry almost has a life of its own. But you can think it's your mind suggesting this, and what if that happens, and this could happen, and you could be in trouble here, and, you, and on and on and on and on. Stop! You know, they told us as kids, memorize scripture. You'll need it. And I wish I had memorized more. But, you know, the Lord is real good. He, just because you read a particular portion, it'll come back as a phrase. You won't know where it is, but you know it's scripture, and it helps. And the other point was don't add the worries from tomorrow to today. Commentator Barnes writes, The morrow will have anxieties and cares of its own, but it will also bring the proper provision for those cares. Though you will have needs, yet God will provide for them as they occur. Do not, therefore, increase the cares of today by borrowing trouble from the future. Good advice. Use God's word against worries today and ignore those for tomorrow. Don't worry. Let me close with what I call escaping worry. Now, we've heard a lot of good things. Uh, maybe next time you see the birds fly through the air, you'll think of how God cares for them. Or when you look out on the field and see the beautiful wild flowers, you'll say, I'm more valuable than they are. Remember the key biblical truth. Jesus tells us that worry is useless and sinful. Get that in your mind. It is not an option. Well, I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't do any of these bad things, but I do worry. And eh, wrong. But it's definitely escapable. Here's some additional verses that may help you. Just four points. These are suggestions. Number one, let God carry your worry. Let God carry your worry. I like the way Peter puts it. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast it. Throw it. Let him catch it. Let God carry your worry. Number two, refuse to think about your worries. Just don't think about it. Yeah, but you know, the doctor said I had that. No, no. Yeah, but if I don't complete that project, no, no, stop. Don't think about it. Refuse to think about your worries. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, not your worries, think about such things. Number three, wait patiently on the Lord. Another failing, impatient, impatient to the core. Let him do it. And again, Dick's prayer. It's a relaxing in the fact that your father's taking care of it. 
It's okay. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still and wait patiently for him. We don't, but it's a reminder. And lastly, pray, give thanks, and make specific requests. This is the verse that was at the top of the program. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about some things, most things. Do not be anxious about anything. Some of you are thinking, I'm anxious about everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, every attempt at worry, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Thank you, Lord, for what's happening to me. That's hard to say. Talk to the Lord. Prayer. Talk to him. Lord, I'm feeling terrible. I'm beginning to doubt you. I'm so scared. I'm worrying. I'm I'm anxious. Petition or present your requests to God. Lord, I don't know what's best for me, and I want your will. But this is what I'd like to see happen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Four things. Let God carry your worry. Refuse to think about your worries. Wait patiently on the Lord. Pray, give thanks, and make specific requests. David gives the central strategy to victory over worry in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Right. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your father knows your needs. He knows before you've even asked. The tendency is not to trust God, but to trust yourself. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to miss that job. I don't want to go through that process in the hospital. I don't want to. I don't want to. Who's your master? Let me just add one other thing. I told you at the beginning that this talk was really aimed at those who belong to the Lord. And I said, what about the rest? posing that question for you. Some of you may not belong to the Lord. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Your spiritual journey seems to be going nowhere. So let me tell you, we're going to have communion in just a few minutes. What a great day to say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I want you in my life. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I want to be forgiven. And I want to turn over my worry to you. That's what you can do today. He hears you. He sees you. And he's not willing that any of you should perish. He's asking you to receive him today. And I do the same. 
God wants to be your loving father. Bottom line. Let me close this time in prayer before I turn it over to Dave for a song and the communion service. Dear Heavenly Father, we laugh about worry, but it does pull us apart. We have faith in our salvation, but we insist on going our way. Our lives and our money is more important because that will save us. Oh, Father, may we not be of little faith. May we trust you, believe in you, turn our lives over to you. We can't serve God and money. We can't serve God and ourselves. May we serve you. Help us, Father. We know your spirit is within us. We know the power is there. And we ask that we might claim it even when next time we're tempted to worry. Give us victory. Help us to learn these lessons and to read this scripture. And Father, for those who've never accepted Christ as their Savior, Lord, may they take that step, even this morning, silently, to ask you into their heart and life, to turn from their sin, and to really enjoy this communion service, the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.